Hello, and welcome to Rules and Rolls, a tabletop podcast in two parts. Uh, We're in that second part, but first, uh, up top, let us say uh, our first episode in this sort of series came out late for a few reasons, chiefly among them being uh, all of the protests going on across the nation and even across the world over the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless other uh, black people at the hands of police violence. And so it would be remiss of us if we did not upfront say that all of us on this podcast stand against that sort of violence by police, Black Lives Matter, uh, defund the police. And maybe after you're done listening to this, go seek out some black creators, specifically in the tabletop space. Um, those voices definitely need to be heard much more than ours. We have sort of been privy to that privilege and that uh, benefit for a lot longer. Uh, so please, uh, if you want to go seek some of those creators out, we have in our Discord uh, some lists, some links to tweets and names that you could certainly see, uh, search out. You can go to our uh, our Twitter at Rules Rolls Pod, and we have retweeted and linked some of those as well. Or you can just sort of search for them. They're out there. It's really genuinely not hard to find, which makes it all the more uh, tragic that those voices don't get the the respect and the adoration that they deserve. So please enjoy this podcast, but then please, please go seek out other black voices in the space. Um, anybody else want to add anything before we get started? And outside of supporting black creators, definitely there's still a lot of petitions going around that need signatures, um, a bunch of funds that still need donations if you're able to, or just, you know, retweets and shares, um, getting it out there is is also as important as donating. Um, just again, like Chase said, just search them out and help wherever you can, whether that is donating, signing, out there protesting. Um, and we're just, Black Lives Matter, we're on that side and that's where we stand. So don't want any sort of wishy-washiness about that. <laughs> yeah, if you're out there protesting, stay safe, stay angry, stay proactive. Um, mutual aid funds in all the cities. Um, I'm close to in North Texas, and we've got a lot of places around here that uh, we, we you could donate to. So it, it isn't hard to find those places in the cities that you live. So that like that is as close to direct action as you can get right now if you're you know like us, still up in your apartments or your homes. Um, so please, yeah, get out there and be active, but be safe as well. Wear a mask. Please, absolutely. Yes, um, please wear a mask. Be safe. Okay, um, so thank you for joining us again. Uh, this is the second part of our uh, playing of Crash Pandas by Grant Howitt. You can find Grant online on Twitter at GS Howitt. Uh, GS Howitt, I, I believe, is the name that they use on itch.io and pretty much anywhere else online that their games uh, can be found. Crash Pandas, uh, for a little breakdown, uh, is a one-page RPG that... Um, where the, you, you play a group of raccoons driving a car. Um, all of you must work together to drive that car. And our players, whom I'll introduce very shortly, did 
pretty good, all things considered. Um, driving that vehicle through the streets of LA. Well, okay, yeah. I was about to say spoilers, but if you've made it this far, you've probably listened to this episode, but you won the race. Um, so before we get into our discussion, let me go around the table and introduce these uh, fearless pilots. Uh, and so tell me your name, um, where people can find you online, and then a little bit about the uh, Crash Panda that you played. Uh, we'll start with Gray. Hi, I'm Gray Schwartz. Um, pronouns are they them and you can find me on twitter at schwartzy7 that's s-e-h-w-a-r-t-z-i-e and the number seven and in crash pandas i was johnny donuts um (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i was racing for fame and to finally crush my ex-boyfriend danny bagel um and again spoilers but i did it i did it for my ma and her pasta sauce and for my grandma and everyone else that came before me, it was for them. A true hero to your lineage. Uh, we've also got Drew. Hi, I'm Drew Davenport. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Davenporter. Ugh. And my pronouns are he, him. In uh, Crash Pandas, I played Roger Bosworth III, uh, Rough Roger to his friends. And Rough Roger was a street racer who ran into a dumpster with a raccoon witch inside of it and was cursed to be transformed into a raccoon until I comp- completed 100 good deeds. Uh, yeah, and I just kind of gave that up, uh, the good deeds thing. And my <laughs> my, my rival is named, was named Peter Lapundi, uh, the dragon, and he was just a vape all-star. And... Yeah, we crushed, I mean, spoilers, 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 you crushed him pretty pretty early on, and I'm uh, very happy with that. You crushed him spirit and automobile-wise. Yep. You left that man a, a vaping wreckage on the side of the road. <laughs> uh, finally, we have Ashley. Hi, I'm Ashley Fisher. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. You can follow me on Twitter at Hidden Hag. Um, pretty much all I am doing lately is retweeting petitions and other things you can do. So if you're looking for those resources we mentioned earlier, that's all my Twitter is going to be. And my Crash Pandas raccoon was named Spud. Um, He just really loved potato and potato products. And he was (laughs) going scavenging for some fries outside of a Burger King drive-thru window. And then freaking Jared ran him over and then he swore revenge on jared and he picked up street racing because that's what jared was into and he wanted to just ruin his life but like everyone else we uh we gave jared his comeuppance yeah with a medium coke (laughs) everything he deserved oh yeah Uh, yeah we served him a combo platter of (laughs) of pokes in the eye but uh we'll we'll get to that but yeah so that's, those are our players. Those are our Crash Pandas. Um, like always, I just kind of want to kind of open this up, have this be a sort of open experience. So generally, how did y'all enjoy Crash Pandas? I know it was a silly game. That's kind of what we were in the mood for. But uh, after the end of it, uh, what was the takeaway? It was just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really it, it was easy really, to jump yeah. into and, you know, great you know we got going right away and it was just a great time i loved it yeah this was 
so nice. I uh, it was just fun and funny, and we've done pretty uh, kind of serious games. I mean, anomaly was very serious before that, and it was a nice little breath of fresh air to do something truly silly, and it was so just like it really had a nice space to play around in. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, for the timeline of when we recorded it, we recorded it um, before the protests started happening, but it was still obviously during uh, all the coronavirus stuff going on. Um, so I think all of our need for like a really fun time um, just really made that game even more fun than it is under regular circumstances um Mm -hmm. so it was just particularly really nice to have something very goofy that you didn't have to think hard about literally whatever that could come to your mind would be good just make a goofy joke and that's what's happening now ah that's really fun yeah yeah i mean i didn't play uh, a crash panda i was the uh, gm for this game but uh this Crash Pandas is another one of uh, Grant Howitt's just like superb one-page RPGs. You probably know Grant through their uh, game Honey Heist, which is about a bunch of bears uh, heisting some sort of rare honey out of a place. And it's these two games share a lot in common where it's sort of like a ridiculous premise, a little bit of world-building prompts, and then you just sort of like role-play out what happens with like a couple of mechanics. Um, so it's not quite just a full storytelling game. Uh, we do have some mechanics involved, um, but that is more so to just like structure uh, little like ev- like narrative events and give you some sort of outcome so that it's not always just like you telling the story that you want to tell. And in Crash Pandas, that was through a couple of things. Like you had some items that you could use. Um, you could build up speed. And I think what was one of the the, the greatest things and the way that it, it sort of uh, mechanized a bunch of pandas all, or a bunch of panda, a bunch of raccoons all driving a car together is that there is a turn where they blind bet a certain action out of a pool of six actions. And then all of those actions take place at the same time. And so it sort of simulates like if you saw three raccoons driving a car, one of them might press on the gas, the other one jerks the wheel to the right, and the other like slams the brake at the same time. What happens? Like they don't, they're not coordinating, they're not talking to each other, they are literally just driving this car. Um, and it played out to some fairly hilarious results. Um, so how did you guys feel about that sort of like one little bit of mechanic uh, layer to the game? I think it was great. I mean, because the premise enough is already chaotic enough of like three raccoons driving a car. And then it's Grant was like, how can I make this even wilder? Let's just have it, (laughs) you know, like you said, no discussion, no talking. Everyone does something and then we figure it out. Um, And I just think it, it was just so. It added to, I think, the goofiness, but in a way that didn't get it too out of hand. You know, because you still had to make the actions make sense so you could still drive the car and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, someone pressed the gas and the brake at the same time. So then you don't move for four turns because everyone just keeps pressing the gas and the brake, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just think it was it was just very innovative and original. And it was just, 
you know, and the anticipation too of everyone building up like, okay, what's everyone else going to choose? Should I think of this strategically or should I just go with my gut? I went back yes, and forth on that a lot. Count, <laughs> trying to count on like what someone else is going to do. Like, okay, we can't all press the gas, but at least one person needs to press the gas for this to happen. <laughs> Who's it going to be? I thought we were going to like fall into roles like, Oh, he always hits the gas, or you know, they're they're always turning first. And no, the pro like the, it was just yeah, we all always hit the gas. <laughs> <laughs> there was a round where all all three of you decided to speed forward. It was when we were trying to jump those potholes in that yeah. residential. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and all three of you so just well. decided to like. But uh, an interesting thing on the GM side is that um, after each like decision, you. You do a roll based on the amount of speed that the that the raccoons have built up, and then for like each roll of like four or greater, the team earns a success, and they can like bank those successes to use on sick, like on really sick maneuvers. And so, in spots where you like those bad rolls, or I say quote bad rolls, but like you know, the the obvious effects of like not being able to de- deliberate on decisions got you in a tight spot. You could use those successes to really pull out some like zany maneuvers and get you out of like what would other otherwise be disastrous uh car accidents flaming wreckage kind of scenarios and it led to some really cool moments yeah that like that system of banking successes was so helpful like pulled us out of the fire Uh every time (laughs) i ah i would love i love that system the whole the whole thing the blind betting and then the the banking successes is so good and i would love to play it in other settings like ah i don't know yeah um i know it is sorry i lost my thought uh i know it's like there to to give you guys another tool to work with i do think that we kind of misused it where like they carried over from one action to the other oh 100 percent. that's what i was gonna say I, like we got a little op at the end there we yeah, had like, 13 successes <laughs> I'm pretty sure like they evaporate like they they're gone after that turn and by the time you get to the next action you should not have those it's sort of a use it or lose it scenario but oh that makes more sense yeah (laughs) I was yeah I was so invested in the story I was I was not too uh, mad to give you guys a bone there and you you used them judiciously into like I think to the benefit of the story Um, which I guess brings me to my next question like how did y'all did you want a certain result or did you play to like what your character, what you thought your character would do? How did y'all approach like playing your raccoons? It's interesting. Cause like I wanted to win both as like a player, a very competitive player <laughs> and like as Johnny donuts. Cause like that was his thing was that he wanted to win. He wanted the fame and like to, to beat uh, Danny bagel and everything. But on the other hand, like the whole time I was thinking if we lost right now, like if we crashed out, I would not be upset about it. Like I was so interested to know how we would figure it out from there. And even at the end, when we did have to figure mm-hmm. out like our car was no longer a car, <laughs> we had to figure out how to win. Um, I honestly would not have been upset if we had to like do something like that sooner. You know, so it was kind of me going back and forth of like, well, I, I want to win and I want to be the best. But there is so much here that we could work with if we did stall out right now or get too much damage or whatever. I mean, if you'll remember, by the grace of the dice, about two actions in a row, you guys did escape 
totaling your car. You had enough speed that if it had like come up majority wise, which for those who didn't listen to the episode, um, you roll like to earn those successes, you have to roll a die for each speed that they have built up. If that rolls a one, that's damage that the car takes. And the car has a set amount of damage. I think Bertha had like 10 hit points yeah, or 11 hit points, something like that. And those last two actions, you guys were skating at eight hit points or eight, eight points of damage. And the rolls just worked out in your favor. So yes, you might've had to steal a little kid's Fisher price vehicle two <laughs> turns earlier than you did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, the story was, I, I, to be honest, I made up Roger like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes before he recorded. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew that he was going to be a human turned into a raccoon, but I, I just kind of just threw him out there. And so I really like the storyline for Roger and like taking care of the dragon early on. So, and how I did that and how we did that was really fun. But uh, so I could kind of just focus more on racing <laughs> was like, that was fun. That was kind of cool. Like I'm, I thought like, oh, I'm gonna have to, he's gonna be the last guy. I'm like, no, he took care of him real early. And then his whole ending be- becoming a, a mascot for the park. I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So you're saying this and, game un- unlocked the, uh, um, oh my gosh, I was going to say something. I totally forgot the word. Uh, it, invoked, it, it unlocked the improvisationist in you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, more than the other games we've played so far. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of like, okay, well, I'm a raccoon. Let's see what I can do with that. Well, clearly magical. Done. And, uh, and then, oh, and then getting the siren, that was very helpful. Uh, Yeah. And the fact that I, I don't know the rules too much that I didn't have to discard it after using it. I mean, we could have been rolling the whole time with the siren. (laughs) I would have done something like as a GM, like I'm there to, I'm, I'm, I am there to check those sort of like obvious abuses of the story or like you know where you're doing something where i can tell you guys are trying to metagame to win and not try to do something mm. to tell a, a, an interesting story i would have put my fir- gentle but steady hand down there and uh <laughs> plucked that siren off and flicked it into the ocean damn well i'm, I'm glad i didn't <laughs> ash what about you how'd you approach spud um just kind of fairly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I personally very much love raccoons. I love their little garbage nature. I love their little hands. And that's about as much as I went into <laughs> like <laughs> my characterization. Just very impulse, obviously. My little guy just saw... Or, I mean, he got hurt, but, like, just saw the guy's license plate and went, I'm going to get him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go kick this man's ass. Um, Tattooed those license plate numbers on your arm <laughs> so you'll never forget them. Like, Spud was obviously uh, an impulse-driven little bud. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's what it's like driving a car as a raccoon. Your little brain just goes, all right. What next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it gas this time? Jerking the wheel very strongly to the right? Just darting around whatever action seemed like the appropriate action at the time. Right. Um, 
you bring up uh jared i one of the interesting wrinkles to this game so that it's not just sort of a uh you know a sort of slapstick three stooges like farcical story through the whole thing is that each of the raccoons did have as part of their character building uh a rival that was racing or was part of the story uh and that they would have to come across at some point and either overcome or at least like deal with and so like that was both an interesting way to put in some characterization but also to give you some motivation to do something beyond just drive a car wacky (laughs) um so i i I really like the system i thought it was a nice bit of like again not a heavy hand of like mechanics uh down in the game so like if you really didn't want to engage with that too much you didn't have to but i think it was just crunchy enough to like give you something to chew on how did y'all feel about the the rivals yeah i definitely thought that was a nice uh nice touch because like like you said it wasn't all just you know our only goal is to get to the end like you threw in oh, here's the dragon, and now here's Jared, and there's Danny. You know, like, it, it was sort of like boss battles, for lack of a better phrase, you know, of just, like, that, having uh, to defeat them in order to move on. Um, and it was yeah. just, like, just a fun th- additional thing of, you know, well, we have to go around the other cars. Oh, but then also there's our rival. What are we going to do to them? And it was just another fun layer to to think about um, while trying to decide just what to do and you're a raccoon and you're just trying to figure it all out boss battles is such a good way of putting it i agree i yeah. didn't think about it until right now but it really is that uh, i feel like but, okay. yeah oh that uh, yeah that, i was gonna say i love the rivals thing it was so nice and i yeah it was boss battles it was freaking gray nailed it's boss battles it was great <laughs> Right, because I think it would have like. Sorry, Ashley, I'll let you uh, jump in here in a second. But it, it, I feel like the 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 course of the of the of the play would have kind of felt a little samey if it was just like, all right, and here's a map where you have some obstacles to overcome. All right, here's this next section. You've got some obstacles to overcome, but they look different. But having like some named characters with some motive, personal motivation does help to break up that structure enough that it doesn't feel like just a sort of like one note slog from start to finish. I agree with everything everyone said so far. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I don't remember what the um, recommended player number is. Um, But I feel like if you are playing with a larger amount of characters um, than is recommended, you could very easily make like, three of you have the same rival oh, or yeah. like th- the other, like each of your rivals is on the same team and they're all on the same car mm. um, or something like that. Yeah. Or some uh, players are the rivals and like you get matched up yes. in some ways. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be really good. Yeah. Like a lot of these games, I think it'd be very easy to like stretch some of these rules for uh, different size players. I think, I think what you said, like having everyone have the same, like have or multiple rivals or have it be a team you could have some sort of like mad max-esque scenario <laughs> where like you know you have a driver a gunner and then like i don't know a, a war war raccoon <laughs> instead of a war boy on there they spray um oh my gosh uh cheese, whiz. cheese in their mouth yeah. <laughs> oh yeah they got cheese whiz and the one guy playing guitar but it's like a guitar hero guitar <laughs> yeah and so he's just going to himself as he strums his plastic guitar 
yeah, obviously, like, we're already planning our next game. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's turn this thing into it. All right, enough, enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, once again, maybe I am just starved for a more physical human connection, but I bet this would be very fun to play in a group in the IRL, mm. the meat space, um, <laughs> instead of virtually, <laughs> like, all all interactions are these days. Um, and if you are of the legal age, I feel like this would be a very fun game to play, like, as a drinking oh game. Oh my god, yes. Like, at a party. Yes. Especially if you have access to, like, really long, like, butcher paper or something. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can just, like, really draw the map out, like, uh-huh. super long. Um, so this was... Super, super fun to play still, like, separated on the computer. But um, I feel like you can get very creative and have even more fun if you're actually around other people and have more physical things you can do with it. Yeah, I think that's would be my one criticism of this. And I think it's just because the way that we had to play it is that the online maps weren't... Chase, you're a beautiful artist, and I'm not knocking your drawing (laughs) i loved the maps but for me personally it was a little bit like not as conducive i guess like i had an easier time imagining where we were rather than looking at the maps but again that could just be like a personal thing and you know it could be that i play this in real life and we draw the maps and they're still in front of me and i'm still just like i don't know what this means you know (laughs) yeah Um, and i think even in the rules they they say like you have like you if you play in the dirt space um that you have a physical representation like a thumbtack even like a little toy car and that the players get to like move the car around uh whatever sort of like maps scenario you have set up um which i think is a a, that would be a a, an, an interesting way to get the players more involved in like seeing the uh in the implications of their actions uh but playing online obviously we couldn't do that sort of thing yeah, hopefully we can post some of those um, those screen grabs we took. Yes, I am preparing them. I had to trim them a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you listen to the first episode, uh, if you listen to our let's play, uh, actual play, whatever, um, <laughs> then yeah, you'll be able to see those in our Discord. So um, if you haven't watched it yet uh, and you skipped it here, um, then man, you can use this as a reference and follow along with our crazy zany hijinks um i did the best i could please do gray already patronized me i said they were artists. beautiful <laughs> don't lie to me i did it chase in is, roll chase 20 with one color and he's a beautiful artist that's what i'm gonna say well, i was the gm y'all had to suck up um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i guess what i'll say about these like one page rpgs is that they were initially sort of like developed for uh easy play at like conventions gatherings stuff like that uh, i've even heard of people like just having a bunch of them printed out and put in a binder so that if like they're in a space they're at a party and any sort of social gathering someone's like well what do you want to do i really don't want to watch a movie they could bust this out and be like i have a whole bunch of rpgs that like you could learn to play in five minutes and we're ready to go um chase i'm amazed you haven't done that <laughs> i thought about it i have genuinely thought about doing it any situation obvious from this being a podcast chase is like hey everyone i have a game we could play i, th- I know about this game oh. let me pull it up real quick 
Play oh, is four to six to hours. Have the guts to do that in a group. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like I like I've said at the the I think the top of the first episode, I'm a white man now in my 30s. Like I have nothing but sheer audacity in my decision making. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll say as the GM, uh, I. I kind of wish that there was more of that tactile interaction from y'all with the cars and stuff like that. It did in order for me to draw the maps, it, it kind of took us out of the action a little bit. Uh, I tried to get y'all to stay involved and talk about stuff, but obviously there was some lulls there as we uh, switched some stuff around, but such is the, uh, uh, the barriers put on us by digital play. I hope it didn't, I hope it didn't interrupt the fun too much. I think uh, what would happen is Chase would start to draw, and he'd, be, he'd give us like something to talk about, and we'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Oh, you look at what is he drawing? <laughs> oh, what's oh, what are we gonna do there? Oh, oh no! <laughs> but not aloud. We'd all go silent watching you, you paint. It was like master. ASMR. <laughs> yeah. With just the soft clicks of my mouse. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Chase, we haven't talked about Reggie at all. I was just going <laughs> to ask, Chase, tell me about Reggie. Um, okay, so for those of you who hadn't listened, on the first sort of scenario, uh, right after the, well, it's the second scenario, because the first one, y'all ran some dogs off the road. Dogs in a car, I should yes. say. Um, okay. And I then was like, wait the, <laughs> In the second one, I think we were down by the some pier. I don't know. Drew, you know the names. You're Santa Monica Pier. Yeah, we're, dun, dun, we were driving down dun, dun. the Santa Monica Pier, and there were just a bunch of tourists around uh, who weren't told about the race. And so the race just sort of drove through this like closed street where all these people were walking around doing shopping, which at the time was not as his, you know immediately prescient as it unfortunately is now. But uh, at least in Crash Pandas, there is no actual violence. It stays cartoonish. It stays fun. Nobody dies. No one gets hurt. If something happens, it is always the funny, sort of harmless uh, violence that occurs. And that happened to a man named Reggie, who was just out walking his dog. And y'all plowed right into him. He flipped over the car through the, uh, <clears throat> big air quotes here, sunroof <laughs> in, the, in the top of Bertha. Uh, and landed uh, face down in the back seat. Uh, and from there, sort of just became a, a permanent fixture uh, for the ongoing adventure. I don't know. How'd y'all, how'd y'all feel about Reggie? That was my one voice in the world of Crash Pandas. He was so good. <laughs> I was a big fan. Yes. Like, if you're a fan of the Rules and Rails podcast, you might as well call yourself a Reggie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how on board I am. The R and R Reggies. Yep. <laughs> it, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah. yeah, both of the R's stand for Reggie. Yeah, it's just Reggie and Reggie. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like y'all were so fantastical and silly, and just sort of like you know jump the shark kind of characters that I felt like what was needed was like someone who was definitely not that in any way. Reggie was a normal dude with normal needs reacting to the situation like any normal person would. <laughs> sure. With the one caveat, and this is codified in the game's rules, that no one no one should react to the players like they are raccoons driving a car. That, that fact is to be ignored at all costs. Don't bring attention to the fact that they are raccoons driving a car. And so beyond that little caveat, Reggie... Just sort of was a normal dude. 
I feel like he was incredibly chill for a man who fell into a car and lost he his was dog in the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and, and broke the fourth wall sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did do that. Yeah, uh, I let the GM voice bleed in a little bit there, but um, that was it was really welcomed. <laughs> Absolutely, it really like even in the world of Crash Pandas, I think it was just very like you said, it was just like a nice balance of having this literal down-to-earth dude of just like, oh god, what have I gotten myself into? And there's just chaos all around him of three raccoons trying to win a race. Um, so I think it, it did help kind of tone down some stuff. And then also, we had to care about this other dude. Like, we could have thrown him out at any time, and we chose not to because we didn't want him to get hurt. And so now we just had to now, keep that- protecting him. <laughs> Was that it, great, or was it because you would have to come to a complete stop and lose all your speed if you wanted oh. to? Well, okay, I mean, yeah. it can be both. It can be two things. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think what Gray's saying, we didn't kill him by a car. But we could have, but we didn't. We could have. <laughs> well, you would have had to shove him back up through the sunroof because I think canonically none of the doors on Bertha worked. You crawled yeah. in through the sunroof. We welded them shut for aerodynamics. That's remember? it. That's yeah. the line. Car science. You could have just peeled the seat back mm-hmm. and there's the road because we took out the trunk <laughs> that's true he could have fallen the through the, the back of the seat into the open trunk and out of the back exactly yeah uh something i guess we haven't talked about I... much like in stew pot the a part of the setting was as much a character as uh you three were and that was bertha the car and y'all had a chance to characterize uh, Bertha before we got started. Uh, for those who haven't listened, or those who may need a little bit of a reminder, tell me a little bit about Bertha. She was beautiful uh-huh. and gone before her time. <laughs> and I miss her very much. F's in chat for Bertha, please. <laughs> she served us so um, well. In my head, she was my infinity I used to drive, my first car. Which was just so torn up. And uh, someone drove it from Florida to California before I bought it. And uh, it was just just destroyed. And the trunk, it wasn't gone, but it couldn't close. So, oh no. And it was an old old luxury car. So it had like gold fixtures inside and like a gold clock. Not like, uh, you know, a digital clock, but a clock clock with minute hand. And. That sounds like a nightmare to try to read while you're driving. Like, wait. Oh, yeah. It was a super fun. (laughs) Everything about the car was a nightmare. And uh, I loved it. And everyone else hated it. (laughs) And when I got rid of it, everyone was like, oh, you should just freaking uh, scrap it. And I was like, no, it's good. I'll sell it for $800. And then it sold. And I was like, I told you all it was good. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for the tangent. I just miss my car sometimes. (laughs) I have a nice one now, I guess. But I miss my infinity. I bet she's still out there somewhere. Very happy. She was abandoned at the docks uh, after I sold the car. Oh, no. I got a a note from the police saying to pick up the car. And when I, and I'm like, I don't, that's not my car anymore. I did not know that Drew was grieving uh, through playing Crash. I know this really brought up some memories. We just unlocked so much Drew lore. (laughs) I'm sorry. I miss my car. It was the same car that Val Kilmer drives in The Saint. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, mean, it, it is LA. Bertha might have been 
the same car. Oh, that yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Sold off from some lot because like a studio needed to like liquidate some funds after like the latest bomb and well, the car from Saints like got <laughs> sold off. Oh, I thought you were saying it was Drew Davenport's car <laughs> in, in no. this world. No, that's no, no, also what I thought. The, yeah, oh, no, like, no, no. Don't you do this to me, Jimmy, look at you. <laughs> No, I'm not going to be that let cool. Let me believe. Oh. <laughs> hey, your beloved car? That's the yeah. one we ruined in the game, Drew. That's the one that liter- literally vibrated to pieces I in mean, a public it, it park. Was, that was what my fear was when I was actually driving the car. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, so Bertha obviously meant, well, it meant a lot to different people, maybe in different ways, but um, <laughs> yeah, Bertha was uh, an incredible vehicle and really withstood a lot, a lot more than I thought she was going to the way y'all were driving around. Yeah, we were pretty rough, but uh, no, you know, who dares wins? What, what, can, what, what can we say besides that? <laughs> I can't believe she made it up a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Up to the Hollywood sign. Oh, uh, Hollywood. Yeah. The Hollywood sign. Hollywood sign. Damn. Vandals. God, we're so cool out here. <laughs> freaking LA guys. God, <laughs> we're so funny. <laughs> Classic bit, man. Just like one for the one for the history books. Absolutely. There's going to be a whole chapter on the Hollywood sign. Yeah, children will learn about it for decades after this. I hope my grandchildren ask me. <laughs> but ask if you were one of the folks who did the... Ho- you. I mean, you could tell them. Like, just yeah. lie to their face. That's what yeah, grandchildren are for. I did you, it. You just lie to I them. did it. Also, I'm old. I took the Hollywood land part. I put, took the land part off in the 40s, too. I'm that old. I did that, too. <laughs> yeah, I came back for revenge. I only got half the job done. That's right. Also, it's very dangerous up by the Hollywood sign in real life, so that's fun. Is it like a just a big kind of like steep cliff? Um, you you can't drive up to it at all. You have to park at on the street level and then walk up to it. But it, crimes happen up there, and it's kind of haunted. They say. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. tracks with what I know about LA. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. Haunted so, everywhere. Yeah, just, I was gonna say what what inch of square inch of uh, LA isn't haunted. If not by a Disney like conventional, store. yeah, Disney well, store on Sunset. That's not a conventional ghost haunting, but that that place is hex nonetheless. Yeah. Um. So getting back to the game, uh, hmm. I don't know. I, I'm I'm struggling to not just be like effusive with praise about this game because it was simple. It was fun. It was it was definitely like one of those games where you only get out of it as much as you put in, and thankfully our players put their heart and souls in their tiny little hands uh, into this game. And I think it came out with a really great product. And just to um, kind of toot our own horn here, but was there <laughs> any part that like kind of caught y'all up or that you wish would have been better, clearer, uh, was not as well-defined as you really wanted it to be? Uh, I could see this game being kind of rough for someone who doesn't like to improv. Like mm. I know that RPGs are like that a lot, but like a lot of this, there's good rules, but there's a lot is open ended. Like, what would you like to do and stuff? So, if you weren't like comfortable with that, you would probably, I don't know, I don't know, kind of thing. Um, the game does give you the tools to do that, though. But I could see if you weren't comfortable with it, it being an issue. 
Yeah, this is definitely one where you have to, like, be a character. You know, I think we talked about maybe in Stew Pot, where, like, you didn't necessarily have to talk as your character in that one to do a scene and stuff like that. But this one, I, I feel like you really need to have that character voice, whether that's, like, an accent or, you know, just how they speak and that kind of thing. It really is. Uh, it adds to it. I wouldn't say it's necessary, but it definitely adds to the game a lot. And those in-between bits were definitely a little, like, stilted. I mean, Chase said it already, but I wonder how oh, yeah. how to make that more fluid. Yeah, I guess if you had everything, like, put together prior to, but there's so much things that could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we completely went off the map at one point when I uh, <laughs> it left instead of right, and... Like that, you can't, I don't know if you could really like, all right, we crashed into a parking lot. (laughs) Yeah. There's only so much you could have prepared. Oh, you drew. I didn't have a map. Like, (laughs) no, I know. I think, I think it worked better. Like, I think it was more fun that way. Cause you could always be like, well, this is, this is what they did last time. And I'm going to throw them for a loop here. But, um, I don't know. I I just liked it. I'm trying, I'm see, I'm, I'm splitting hairs cause I just had such a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it works better that way is uh, sort of like a sort of like an episode of like a racing anime or some like racing cartoon where like you don't show the entire race, you sort of cut out the bits where it's transitional and you hit the highlight moments Uh, there. I think if you tried to show like the entire race like that you'd get bogged down in the sort of mundanity of a lot of the straightaways or just like weird sections where nothing was happening. You just focus on where the action is and that's where your maps come up and the scenes are playing out. Um, I don't know. I am. I'm interested to see how y'all feel about like, because this is the first, hold on, let me think. Yes. This is the first one page RPG that we've played. Mm -hmm. Um, The rest have been, you know, shorter, but still a little bit more involved with like prompts and rules and, uh, all this other stuff, but this one is just like short and sweet and simple, and yet we still got what two and a half, three hours of content out of it. Um, so, how do y'all feel about one page RPGs and like where they fit in like a sort of like space where you might recommend them to a group of people? I love them. I've only played a few, but I, I find them very, very nice and easy, and I think they are incredibly useful if you're doing a longer campaign to use them with the characters in the campaign kind of like the way stew stew pot was could you could use that at the end of a campaign yeah a lot of these well you know i can't be exactly crash pandas but i was gonna say i don't know exactly where (laughs) crash pandas would fit into an ongoing campaign but But like maybe a witch turns you into like yeah there's precedent for that yeah like teleports you or maybe you're playing like an urban fantasy kind of thing and like it's not your characters but you have a part of the world that you build out and then crash manage just takes place in that world with some of your like Mm -hmm. secondary characters yeah Mm -hmm. if you want instead of like cars it could be like wagons or whatever that's true like yeah war beasts yeah that'd be good like riding dinosaurs oh hell yeah you could be pod racing (gasps) oh Now I'm not I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I won't have that on this podcast. <laughs> Someone's gotta say it. <laughs> now this is pod racing. Thank you. 
We'll see if I cut that or not. <laughs> <laughs> cut, timestamp, where is that? Uh, Ex- excise the poison. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Drew, that like the the shorter ones do ho- uh, do well. Uh, the shorter ones do work as things that you can uh, implement if you don't want to like burn out on your main campaign with the same system, which we played in. I know most of us have played in like longer campaigns using more traditional systems and that fatigue does start to set in and shorter games like this. I mean, shit, even if you like didn't do anything connected, it was just like, Hey, we're used to getting together. We, we like, we all have like snacks and beer and drinks and stuff like that, but we really aren't feeling another like four hours of high fantasy or like deep crunchy sci-fi. Let's just be a bunch of raccoons driving a car for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like, Plenty of groups have that time where one person has to drop out last yeah. minute, mm-hmm. but everyone's still in the mood to play. Just play one of these games instead. Right. Um, I personally really love one shot, um, one page RPGs um, because I am very much a person who just wants to get into it, whether it's like a recipe, a DIY project. I will vaguely skim directions, be like, no, 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 I got it. Oh, you're, I, you're I, not spending an hour with the rule book, be like, hold on, well, I got to read all these interesting minutia about certain scenarios. Oh god, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I mean, like, part of me, I feel like whenever I try to, something about my brain just like can't conceptualize playing just from reading the rules. Um, so whenever I try to read something, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. I literally just have to get into it and figure it out. Um, so usually something that's one page, um, it's much more direct. So (laughs) the parts that I do read, um, and can reference, it's a lot easier. Um, and usually they're just a bit more snappy, pretty simple, um, and fun. Yeah. It's like whatever you bring to it, that's what it's going to be. Um, and I think this is a really good one. I would definitely recommend it, especially to people who already like um, one page RPGs. Um, and I think this would be a fun one to start with. Um, I do agree with Drew that it could probably be kind of intimidating um, if you aren't comfortable, like thinking of something to do, but you know, it's so goofy. Like yeah. everyone's probably seen a, like a, a heist chase wild movie that you could just be like, just think of the weird stuff that happens in those. That is a broad sort of like pop culture touchstone. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you've just seen like commercials of people driving cars. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> there's, there's some common language here. If you watch television or YouTube or anything like that, that you've come across. Uh, I have some like GM tips that could sort of address that. But first I want to get Gray's feelings on like, how you would recommend this and what your feelings are for this, like the sort of one page RPG setup. Yeah. I mean, I, I love one page RPGs. I mean, I'm just going to basically say what everyone else has said that it's just so easy to jump in. Um, even with like, cause I think what gets a lot of people with just RPGs in general is like character creation. Mm-hmm. And I really like that with one page RPGs, you can just take, you know, like if you if you were planning this with like your D&D group, like, you know, 
earlier in the week, then you can send the rules along and say, okay, when we get together, you know, have your character prepared and you can have like three or four days to think about it kind of thing. Or you can do like what me and Drew did and plan it right before you start and whatever happens, (laughs) happens. And it's also great. (laughs) Um, And so it's just, it's really easy to just throw this piece of paper at someone and go, you're going to be a raccoon now. What's your name? Roll these dice. Let's play a game. Mm-hmm. Which I just think is super fun for just anyone to just jump in and do something different. Like, you know, we said before, just like being at a party and like, oh, I don't want to play Jackbox. Let's play Crash Pandas. <laughs> but also, who doesn't want to play Jackbox? So maybe that was a bad example, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't played it yet. I, oh, Drew. Oh, well, we're going to have an R&R Jackbox day. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you um, should. I, I've had weeks where I played Jackbox twice in the same week, like back to back. And there is sort of like Jackbox fatigue. Yeah. In, but this is not a Jackbox podcast. <laughs> um, I feel like um, with this, if you're a person who has this game um, and like you want to keep it around for any eventuality that maybe you um, pull it out for a party, you know, whenever those happen again, um, <laughs> you could have like maybe some pre-made raccoons mm. um, well, or it could, e- it could even be like, um, maybe I'm stealing this from another game <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. That's like a Mad Libs um, D&D game. Uh, but you could even have everyone write down like, a name and like a rival and like a personality trait and put it on little pieces of paper and like put them in hats and everyone draws like one of those. So everything gets kind of like mixed in. So you do like like a brainstorming session and then randomize it. Yeah. That's good. That's a cool idea. Just cause something else that can happen whenever just as someone who has been like the new um, role player in a group, being around a bunch of people who know what they're doing and have something like, really thought out and well planned that can be kind of intimidating to be like mm. uh i am an elf named legolas <laughs> uh, <laughs> i can't think of anything original um that that could kind of put everything on like a level playing field where everyone's kind of figuring something out um where it's new for everyone yeah um so yeah, if you are doing this from the GM side, because that's where I'm drawing my experience from, uh, I think something that helps address this the sort of like uh, critique that Drew brought up about how this game might not be as inviting or initially inviting for those who aren't really comfortable with role playing. I kind of helped address that by whenever you made a decision, I prompted the players by asking them, "So why did you decide to do this?" Because that gets them like thinking about character motivation or in maybe Spud's case, a lack of character motivation, uh, character impulse at least, um, which I think is a really good starting place to start uh, building off of like, um, like what they want, like what were they trying to accomplish whenever they did that task? And then from there, like what does that mean for their larger goals? And also what does it mean for teamwork or lack thereof? So hopefully that helped out a little bit uh, for you guys um, asking you like, so why'd you decide to do this? Or so what's going to happen now that you did that? Like, I think that little bit of prompting helps maybe compensate for some lack of role-playing experience that your that your prospective players might have if you come to this game. Yeah, I think that also helped um, to kind of keep us a little bit grounded 
because I think with a game like this, you want to just do the funny thing, especially for a podcast. And yeah. for you to ask, well, why did you do that? Then you have to think, oh, right. It does have to make some sense, I guess. Um, right. It's not just gaffs and laughs. Right. Damn, good name for the podcast. Shit. <laughs> oh, no, we have to rebrand. <laughs> Is it too late it's not, to rebrand? It's not too late. Um, yeah, Anchor might let us just change the podcast name. I have no idea. <laughs> Apple might have, that might confuse the heck out of Apple. And we we have to please the uh, the Apple overlords if we want this to be anywhere close to successful. Do another goat sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, some sort of like bloodletting. We It was three buckets last time. I think it's five buckets to change your podcast. Name. Yeah, sounds about right. I'm full of blood, so we'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> um. We're, so we're kind of coming up on an hour here. So I, I, I do want to go back through and maybe get from each of y'all, uh, if you have any, like some tips for people who come at this game, like from your own experience for playing it once, how, what, what would you, uh, what would your advice be for getting the most out of playing Crash Pandas? I think we've said this at the end of every single discussion episode that we've had for each of the games that we've played, but just relax. Like, go in with zero expectations, especially with this one. Have fun. Just, you're a pant, uh, you're a raccoon driving a car, for God's sake. Like, <laughs> just be chill. You know, it's just for a good time and have fun. And, you know, nothing about this has to be dramatic or gritty. If you really want it to, that's also fine. You know, you can really lean into that. But just, yeah, just just chill just chill just have a good time <laughs> yeah. use, use this game as a, dis a distraction yeah from what's going on uh because it is just cartoony fun mm -hmm. and i would i definitely went in with that kind of attitude yeah like you don't have to have some big deep backstory about a witch or whatever you could be a pan you could i we keep saying all of us keep saying panda you could be a raccoon who likes burning rubber that's it you could be a panda raised by a family raccoon who believes that they are a raccoon oh even shit we gotta re-record re right even, now even though they're 10 or 12 times the size of a raccoon i think that is rife for comedy God, I'm getting very good. emotional so cute. <laughs> maybe maybe you wear a little mask so that you blend in a little bit better <laughs> it's like pleased. a little tail yeah yeah you have a little tail that you wear Oh man, oh, that's cute. I'm just. This is the, not what you were saying, but this is just reminding me of like the people who dress up in the panda costumes to go pick up the cubs. Oh so yeah, scare them. Oh yeah, oh, gosh. yeah. I'm just imagining like, I don't know, a raccoon walking in stilts in a panda costume. That's like here, my large son. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let's well, go get some food. Yeah, it's just like a raccoon holding. Or like a little panda, like holding their hand and just like walking around. Yeah, yeah. It sounds cute. like a really good module for this game. Just actual panda. <laughs> yeah, actual crash pandas. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. I mean, something else that's come to mind um, is that I feel like this would be really fun to play with kids. Um. Mm. I think there's probably some things you'd have to alter. 
so it's mildly more kid friendly. The first thing that comes to mind is that I had a solo cup of cough syrup. (laughs) You might not want that. Um, But I think it would be fun for kids because like things don't have to make sense to them. They're just like, yeah, I I grab it. I do this. They enjoy spectacle and that immediate feedback for their actions, which if you're the GM, you can do as much leading as possible and just give them goofiness. Just serve it up plate after plate. For sure. So like Gray said, aggressively relax. Um, (laughs) I just want everyone to have a good time. (laughs) Please. Enjoy yourself. Please. Um, But for the same reasons that it would be fun to play with kids, um, I think try to have like that childlike mindset of just like try to let go of all the weird things you have about like trying to be funny or creative or good. I struggle with that personally. Um, just have a good time. It doesn't always have to be like a goof TM. Um, it's just fun. Like anything you come up with is going to be fun. Yeah. From a GM uh to anyone else who might be running this game um don't steal your character thunder like don't i feel like and this is something i uh i kind of thought about as we were going through and about halfway through the game i decided like this was the best course of action don't lead off with funny like don't try to be funny at the offset your characters your rec your players as raccoons have all the tools they need to inject the humor and the zaniness and the, just like the weird um abject uh humor into your game if you try to do it yourself it's going to seem like scene stealing i i feel and you don't want to do that um and also for this like the same sort of like thematic uh uh trappings like don't if you feel the impulse to be dramatic lean into melodrama because again at the end of the day your characters are three or four or five raccoons all trying to drive the same vehicle. It's going to come off feeling like edgy and out of place if you do too much like actual drama, but like soap opera melodrama is just mm, the perfect thing. It's like, you know, if it makes sense within like the rules that you've set up of this world, but nowhere else in the real world would this drama make sense. So lean into those instincts, um, guide your characters help them prompt them whenever they don't have something because like they might just need just a little bit of help to get to the, uh, get to the place where they decide, Oh, this is the moment where I break out my solo cup full of cough syrup, or this is the moment where, uh, we're going to throw the bucket of red paint. Um, like any good GMing, you are building the first part of a sentence and then your characters will deliver the punchline. Somewhere along the way that turned into just general improv advice. So we have that as a fallback. If. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you want to just take this Damn. out of context just show this those to your improv year- group yeah those two years of high school uh improv did not go to waste i guess <laughs> uh don't worry i didn't do it in college you don't have to i, I don't need to be publicly flogged and <laughs> put in the stocks um any other final thoughts final impressions final words on crash pandas Game good. <laughs> yep, that's sort of in this yeah. podcast, right? Oh, uh, I do like, real quick, Chase's uh, weird, not weird, Chase's unique uh, racer that showed up at the very end in his medieval night car. Uh, 
I don't know if you yep. guys remember that. I barely remember. What about him? Yeah, I just I don't know. I was re-listen- I re-listened to it today. And I'm like, wow, that's just a that was just a lot for that little guy. And I, I him like <laughs> Reggie, I just need to know more. When we do Crash Pandas again, I'm I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh yeah, if we do Crash Pandas 2, it'll be subtitled Revenge of the White Knight. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I, guess- I think we were almost conservative with our character choices, and like, I mean, we could just go so much farther. Yeah, and even with like NPCs, yeah. like we had that the first car that we passed was full of dogs, and I was like, hell yeah, just this is all animals. It's going to be so good. And then I guess the rest of them were humans, which is also great. But I feel like we all could have you know gone a little bit further into like, okay, there's the pack of dogs, and then you know the oh there's some horses that are somehow driving a car that we just passed mm-hmm. you know and I, I just think that for the gm and for the players too to like build up their rivals into other species and things like that could definitely add more to the the world and the race um so you can just always just when you think you've gone far enough go further <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree. It, like like a lot of the games we played, uh, I think a lot of this advice we could even take to heart ourselves the second time we play it mm-hmm. and just get a lot of more out of it now with this reflection. Hey, uh, crew, um, you know what we discussed about as much tonight as we did playing the game? Stats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that um, we, we definitely, uh, yeah, we never talked about that. I guess maybe that's a criticism is like the stats do seem a little superfluous to the game. And I'm sure like if you for those who were maybe a little bit less uh, less comfortable with role playing or needed a little bit more to like actually engage with the system stats might help with that. But we got we got by just fine um, without it. That Mm -hmm. might be protections in place for like. Those sort of racers who want a metagame who wants to mm -hmm. min max their raccoon because like it's sort of like randomized stats that you have and so like you can't just be good at everything you can't be the most rotund boy and also just brimming to the ears with chutzpah uh, which was a genuine stat in this game um but we just didn't really use it a whole lot no huh i didn't even think about it till you brought it up yeah so that's us something (laughs) but it was fine it wasn't like Something that was like, all right, spend twenty minutes figuring this out, mm-hmm. and then you didn't use it. Yeah. It's just... When, when we first did it, I was like, oh, should we have done this before we made our character and use the stats to inform what our character is like? But I don't know if that's how it goes. I I'm a little reticent to that because I've especially for this game, I really don't want to put any limits on the imagination of the players starting out because like so much of that stuff that y'all uh, gave me up front helped me fill out the world and the encounters as I was going. And I would hate for the stats to like really put blinders on what you wanted to bring to the game, because then that just makes the GM's uh, job a little bit harder. It makes the world just not as much fun. Um, I mean, use stats if you're really having a trouble uh, building out your panda and not sure what you want to do, and you can use that for inspiration. But again, like I, I, I hesitate to say stats first and then characterization. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Besides game good. We said that. Game good. Game oh, good. Game good. <laughs> um, I like the items. Uh, like, I, we didn't talk about it, but I really like the items. Yeah, that was uh, the way we get really items. fun. They're really fun. 
It's just, it's a fun game. Game good. And, <laughs> and Reggie good. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that item list you could very easily hack. You could just come up with a list of your own. Like what Ashley said, it's like when you play with kids, just throw in stuff that, you're, that your group of children that you're playing with would like interact with and think would be cool to use. It's very easily just like, module modulated Mm -hmm. like any rpg really is um yeah yeah. i feel like there's a what word am i trying to think of like i think people like revere things a lot like ooh, someone made this so like it has to be done this way and it's like like if you the text as sacrosanct and you can't do anything to it yeah and it's like Ultimately, it's a game, and it's fine if it doesn't work for you a certain way. It's way better to maybe change one little thing that isn't working for you for whatever reason yeah. and have fun. Like Crash Pandas is largely the framework of Honey Heist, just with like different mechanics put on top. It's just like, if we're going to say in the language of cars, like it is just a different uh, body put on the same chassis or a very similar chassis, you know? Well, I learned a car word today. <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing I want to ask, uh, and this is a question for Gray, is like, how in, uh, insultingly embarrassing was my New York accent? Oh, it was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> oh, nice. I had a split second thinking of like, do I actually want to do this? And then I just did it. You, you went for it. And that's really what made it. It's the whole point of the game. You just got to go for it. And then it works. Yeah. It's that same mom. enthusiasm right. that, uh, yeah, that Johnny's mom puts in her in her meat sauce. That's what makes it so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Johnny. I love his mom. Yeah, Johnny's great. <laughs> no, I, I mean, again, I got to commend y'all on the character building. This is like three for three. Y'all have just done a really good job building out some characters. Um, so I feel I feel very uh, fortunate. As I guess, is this this is the first time I've taken a step back and GM'd a game. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I feel fortunate as a GM for this game that uh, y'all, y'all were able to do that. They brought a lot to the game. Well, we're fortunate to have a GM as good as you, Chase. All right, let's not get too... <laughs> no, let's talk about it, Chase. <laughs> let's get sappy. <laughs> All right, so that's been our show. Thank you guys so much. No, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so again, you can find that game online. It's by Grant Howitt at GS Howitt uh, with two T's on Twitter. Um, check out that. Check out Honey Heist. Check out a lot of those one-page RPGs. That's a rabbit hole that you can fall deep down and uh, always come up a winner. Uh, if I can just plug another, there's one about, I can't remember the name of it, but there's one where you play witches familiars trying to save this witch, but you're just like a frog or a crow. And you literally have like one little magic cantrip. And then otherwise you are just a frog or a crow or a mouse. And you have to like outsmart witch hunters in order to save your witch. Um, so yeah, maybe in the future you'll see us pick that back up. If we do another one page RPG. Do you guys know I've written a one page RPG? Whoa! Do, do you want to plug it? No, I'm a little embarrassed about it. I just wanted to throw that out there for the mystery. Maybe if anyone finds it, we'll play it. I don't know. Uh, well, okay. So uh, now that now that we have that gray lore, how do you do, did this game tell you anything about that sort of creative process that you might, if you ever make another game? Yeah, for sure. Like, I did play test the game once um, with some friends who were very kind about it, <laughs> and. 
Um, yeah, I just think we can definitely, like, I can go back and um, add more to it for sure. And definitely use that sort of, like, lean into the fun and lean into the sort of absurdity that I think would, would help a lot. Well, I don't know that we have figured out exactly what we're going to play next. We're looking at a couple of options. Um, if you would like to know, please do go follow us on Twitter. We're at Rules Rolls Pod. Uh, we're always open to suggestions of games that we could play in the future. Uh, or you can, if you're like Gray and have made your own game and would like to see that played <laughs> on the pod, please send us an email, uh, uh, rulesandrollspod at gmail.com. Is that correct? Yes. Is that right? Great. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> Send us your recommendations. Send us your own games. Send us some fan mails. Don't send us hate mail. You can put that shit in the garbage. We don't want it. But if it's nice words of praise, things that's going to help our egos, uh, please do get in touch with us. We love to hear from fans. We also have a Discord, which is linked on our Twitter, so you can find us there. Come talk talk about games with us. And leave um, reviews on all the things. Yes, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere that podcasts live and collect dust. Please... <laughs> Dust a little bit off of ours and leave us that five-star review. Yeah, I would love to see some words written. Uh, that would be very nice. I'd love yeah. to know how people are yeah. liking the show. Yeah, from all the other podcasts I listen to, they say that written reviews help the algorithm. So juice that machine, baby. <laughs> That's right. Um, we're, we're playing a losing game. Uh, so all the help that you can manage. Uh, but yeah, so we'll let you know the next game we're going to play. Um, that'll be coming out in July. Um, so until then, we'll hope that you'll come and stop on by the next time you need a little bit of R&R. &R. <laughs>